China is likely developing capabilities that will be able to uh, affect all the way out to geosynchronous orbits. And then there are on-orbit threats, counter-space threats that are likely in development. Hello, Space Watchers. I am Emma, Senior Editor of Space Watch Global, and this is a new episode of Space Cafe Radio, your radio channel dedicated to emerging trends and live conferences in the space sector. PSSI, the Prague Security Studies Institute, has the pleasure to present the Space Cafe Radio PSSI Space Security Mini-Series, focused on allied preparedness to face the rapidly changing space domain. PSSI is a non-profit, non-governmental public policy organization founded in 2002 and based in Prague. In space, PSSI puts emphasis on emerging threats and available policy solutions. All the interviews in the PSSI Space Security mini-series were conducted during the 6th PSSI Space Security Conference, which was held in Prague at the Chernin Palace, the headquarters of the Czech Ministry of Foreign Affairs, from the 19th to the 21st of June 2022. The conference is part of the PSSI's well-established series of high-level trilateral space security conferences, where for trilateral we mean Europe, US and Japan. The conference series, launched in 2011, is designed to advance decision-making within the security domain among allies. They represent one of the highest level of unclassified gathering of military allies, national security experts and senior industry representatives. The guest of our first episode is John Earth, the Defense Intelligence Officer for Space and Counter-Space Defense Intelligence Agency of the United States of America. John discussed with us about the recent advancement in space defense capabilities by China and Russia. Are these two nations becoming a tangible space threat? And is their Temis program at risk? This and much more in this rich conversation with one of the top-level representatives of the counter-space defense in the U.S. Enjoy your listening. John, thanks a lot for being here with us today. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. How are you today? Very well, thanks a lot. The DIA recently released the updated Challenges to Security in Space report. Which are the major differences in this and the old report from 2019? What has changed in the space environment since then? So what, one of the things that's changed in general is between the release of the first report and the new one, China and Russia, their on-orbit space assets have increased about 70%. The other thing we embellished or added to in the report, there's more things in there on what I'll call command and control, how the, primarily Russia and China are organized for space. Uh, there's also expanded information on SDA or SSA, depending on what flavor you like there. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we've added some things on Cislunar. And we've added a more expanded section on space debris. Those are the main differences. Okay, so like hitting more or less the major topics that developed in the past three years. Yes, uh, just updates and beyond that. What types of counter space threats exist or are in development right now? So one of the things, if you look at the report, we talk about the entire counter space continuum that starts with SDA, the SDA capabilities, because that provides you the fine fixed track and characterized piece that supports any counter space weapons. Certainly Russia and China, as well as to some degree North Korea and Iran, which we also touch on on the report, have fairly robust electronic warfare capabilities, so reversible types of effects. Also uh, directed energy weapons, so lasers. Uh, the, one of them we talk about in there on the Russia side is the Persvet 
which is one of uh, the Putin five, big five weapon systems, uh, as they were characterized a couple of years ago. Uh, China also has been developing laser capabilities. And then, of course, there is the, um, the destructive ASATs. Uh, we've seen Russia, as in the report, test one recently as November. They're also, we understand, developing, and again in the report, something called Bervestek, which is an air-launched capability. China, likewise, has an operational ASAT to low Earth orbit. Uh, we characterized that or talked about that both in the first and the second report. And then uh, China is likely developing capabilities that will be able to uh, affect all the way out to geosynchronous orbits. And then there are on-orbit threats, uh, counterspace threats that are likely in development. And certainly we've seen Russia test what we call uh, the nesting, Russia nesting doll. And again, uh, some of those Cosmos vehicles are talked about in the report as well. Which are the most concerning aspects of uh, Russia and China? recent space development, in your opinion? So, we don't know. If, I think from my perspective, it's not any particular capability. It's the fact that back in 2015, both the Russia and China, I'll say, reorganized their space forces one way or another. With China, it was the uh, SSF, the strategic force, where they brought together their EW, their cyber, and their space capabilities. So, from a U.S. analog, that is the what I'll call the man training equipped function of a service and also the fact that now that they are organizing, now that they have the capabilities and they are developing the what we would call maybe the TTPs to bring space and counter space into a combined arms fight if they were ever to go up against us or one of our allies. Do you think the alliance is a convenience alliance? Like we don't like each other, but we're going to stick together because at the moment we need each other? is actually deeper. They have a long history of collaboration and they're planning to keep going. Hard, hard to say if you're, you're talking about Russia and China. We do know that they have collaborated for some time on, on research and development on rocket engines. And now recently the ILRS, they have the agreement there. So I think time will tell whether how deep that arrangement is and, and where that takes us. Speaking about the ILRS, it's uh is it a threat for Artemis? Is it aiming at something different? What do you think about it? I wouldn't characterize it as a threat, certainly now in the classic sense, certainly more on the competitive, certainly. So they're interested in exploring according to what they have put out the moon together, doing various types of experiments. So not a threat in the classic sense, but also from the perspective of, I'll say, more commercial or further down the road, where certainly China pushes what they call civil-military fusion. So a lot of those capabilities that they develop that could be in the scientific realm today or in the civil realm today, in some cases, can be transitioned or translated into uh, or for more nefarious purposes. So that competition could, uh, at some point, perhaps become more of a, a, a threat than just the competition piece. China in commercial space, where are they at? What are they doing? It depends how you define commercial. Certainly in the U.S. and in the West, commercial means commercial. You have corporations, you have individuals who make their own investments, develop their own companies with their own resources. In the case of China, a lot of things are really state supported to one degree or another. So it would depend on the company. But I think if you would peel back where a lot of that resource is coming from, you wouldn't find in most cases that it would be commercial and competitive in the same sense that we would use that phrase in the West. 
Yeah, they have a kind of, they don't have a separation like in the West between what is private and what is government or military action. Like, exactly. There's a lot of gray area in there. What do you think is the level of development? Do you think they are ready to become competitive? I think there's focus in, you know, certain parts of the market or what we would see as the broader space market. Certainly, I think in the West and two months ago, I guess, uh, when they had the space symposium out in Colorado, there was clearly a, a, a booming commercial space market. A lot of that, certainly in the West, in the U.S. and other countries, I think they're looking more for, I don't want to call it niche, but things like launch and or in other particular areas where they're probably going to be more invested than others. And again, time will tell where they take or put their investments, whether it be what they call commercial and a lot state-owned, but nonetheless still trying to compete in an international marketplace with the West, with other countries. They're investing a lot in reusable launch systems. Like. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Anything you would like to add that I didn't ask you that you would like to no, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Clearly, we put the report together, we developed it, and then updated it because we want to make sure that not just the U.S. public, but our public and our partner spaces are aware of what our adversaries are doing. So, appreciate the opportunity to present some of the material in there and would encourage folks to go to, to our DIA's website and download and read the entire report for themselves. Fantastic. John, thanks a lot for being with us today. It was a pleasure. And till next time. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for listening to the PSSI Space Security Miniseries, sponsored by PSSI, the Prague Security Studies Institute. PSSI is the organizer of the sixth Space Security Conference in Prague, which is part of the high-level trilateral Space Security Conferences series, launched in 2011. The next episodes will feature Michael Trout, Chief of Space Operation Command of the Germany Ministry of Defense. Don't miss it. And if you want to keep the pulse of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. And of course, don't forget to become a space watcher. I'm Emma Gatti, Senior Editor of Space Watch Global, your independent perspective on space. See you next time. Ciao.